Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke, the second, gospel, uh, second chapter, if you would please. Um, I want to welcome everybody online. And uh, to this day, I'm still not used to people watching online. And uh, I look better in person. Anyway, but uh, so glad to have everyone here today. And Luke's, the gospel, Luke's gospel, the second chapter. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. They all returned to their own ancestry towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Verse 6. When they arrived in Bethlehem, uh, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth, and Mary and Joseph had laid him in a feeding trough, which is paralleling God's divine provision for us, uh, his people. And since there was no available space in the upper room in the village, that night in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Hallelujah. Just as the eternal shepherd was watching over his precious lamb. Many scholars believe here that these were the same fields where the, uh, the unblemished sacrificial lambs were kept for the temple of worship. And how fitting that God would choose these uh, very uh, disciples to witness the arrival of the king. Now, verse 9 says this, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field uh, uh, with the blazing glory of God. And when I read that, it so reminded me that this might have been the same blazing glory of God that manifested in, the, in Genesis, the first chapter. In Genesis 1, and I'll just read this verse to you, verse couple of verses, it says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. But verse 2 is interesting. The earth was without uh, form, void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So it's interesting. Something happened between verse 1 and verse 3. Why? Because God has never, ever created anything that is corrupt, anything that is uh, uh, of, of darkness. It's interesting that word darkness there uh, is, uh, it means ignorance, misery, sorrow, wickedness, destruction, and death. And God, the Bible says in the first John, there is no darkness in God at all. There is no darkness in God at all. So he's never been the author of death. He's only been the author of life, even though he's been blamed for being the author of death. Say, say this out loud, God is the author of life. Amen. And that's good news for you and I. Can I have an amen? Good news. And uh, so he, didn't, he did not create this atmosphere in verse 2. So what happened? I believe again. It's just simply, uh, you cannot just simply read one verse and try to uh, discern it. You have to get, go through the scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth, as Paul told Timothy. And in Revelation 12, it said that Satan was cast out of heaven when he rebelled against God. And where did God cast him to? On the earth. And what did he bring with him? 
the spirit of darkness, the spirit of devastation, destruction, and death. And so that's where it came from. But God didn't leave it there. God had a plan. Hallelujah. And the plan was for the benefit of man, mankind, you and I. God had a plan. And the plan was found in verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Hallelujah. So God provided hope for the world by sending the light of his word uh, through his spoken word, or the, or the light of his will through his spoken word. Lift your hand if you acknowledge today that before you accepted Christ, you recognize now the darkness that was in your life. Raise your hand. Because I want every one of us could raise our hands because it is true. Now, our families, you know, who are raised, you know, uh, in the church sometimes, they don't see the measures of darkness that is in the world, hopefully. Why? Because mom and dad do their best to reflect the light of God's love in that, in that community or in that, in that relationship. If you agree, say amen to that. So, um, but uh, many of us who served God for 10, 20, 30 years, excuse me, served the devil for 10, 20 years, we recognize the darkness that uh, was in our lives and, and so grateful for the light. Can I have an amen to that? So <clears throat> God said, let there be light, <clears throat> and there was light. And uh, the good news is the darkness couldn't uh, cover the light, but the, the light sure exposed the darkness. Amen? Now, in John's gospel, we're going to go there in the first chapter and read a, another familiar scripture. And it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The King James says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. But this is the New Living Translation. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. I want you to capture that. The word was, if, see, if you didn't know this, you would... Um, See, so many people are afraid of God but they, because they think he's as much as their problem is as their promise. Not in the sense, but he might get, he's, he's always watching you to, to, get, to, uh, to give you what you deserve. But God's not that way. I said God's not that way. But why? Because he's a God of love. A God of compassion, a God of empathy. The Bible says in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. Have you ever walked up to somebody who's really down and you touched him on the shoulder, said things are gonna get better? That's how Jesus, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He feels the struggles we feel. He, he's touched with every temptation that we face in our lives. He, he was touched with them himself, but he conquered them for us. Can I have an amen? But he does understand humanity because he was one. Amen, a human being. So the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He, the word of God, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, through who? The word. And nothing was created except through him, the word. So so easy. The word gave life to everything. Isn't that beautiful? Woo! How many experienced that life when you accepted Jesus? The word gave life on the inside of you. Woo! Hallelujah. For the first time. You realize how much God loved you. You realize that you were forgiven of your sins. You realize that there were measures of deliverance that happened in your life. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. No one left out. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Message Bible says it this way. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. It couldn't put it out then, and it can't put it out now. Verse 6. 
God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Raise your hand if you have a testimony of Jesus changing your life. I'm just telling you, people are waiting for that. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, but they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's so good. Thank you, Lord. And they are reborn or born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Talk about a spiritual birth, an inward birth, a life-changing birth. I think the most frustrating thing for people is they go to church and they're desperately searching for God and they've got a knowledge of him up here, but nobody has ever told them that they got to get that knowledge from here to here inside of them in their spirit being. So they come frustrated. They come empty. They, they leave disillusioned. They leave, they leave so disappointed because it, they just don't know how to capture that revelation because they've never been taught. At Faith Family Church, we teach you that you must be born again, that you must have a change of life. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're going to be a true follower of, follower of God. It says this, um, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the one and only Son. Now, I'm just going to take a slight detour because I thought this was important mentioning. In Exodus, the seventh chapter, if you'll study like at chapter seven through 12, you'll realize well, all the way from chapter one all the way. Uh, we know that the Israelites, God's people, ended up in slavery. It, the, everything, everything in the Old Testament, these stories, they're, they're st natural stories to reveal a spiritual truth. Okay? That, that's how you have to see them. So the Israelites, or the children of Israel, found themselves in, under the immense suffering of the pharaohs in Egypt, enslaved to hardship and hunger and cruelty and death. That's where they were. And they were there for 430 years. And, in the, and over that time, they didn't even know who God was. I mean, at all. Why? Because they worshiped all the gods of Egypt. Okay. And so God, in the, I think the third chapter, he heard the cry of Egypt. Now listen. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham. <laughs> and what did it say to Abraham? I'm going to bless your descendants. They weren't blessed. They were cursed. But God had a plan. And his plans never fail. So as the Egyptians are being judged for their idolatry, there were 10 plagues that came against them. And one of those plagues was total darkness. Say total darkness. And God, listen, this is so good. God in his mercy allowed both Egypt and Israel to, to experience just how dark and miserable life is without God's presence. Hmm. On the other hand, God preserved a place for his people. It was called Goshen. Goshen was where... Uh, the plagues of Egypt could not touch them. Amen. Goshen 
And the Hebrew means drawing near. And that so reminded me of James 4. If you draw near to God, anybody know the rest? If you draw near to God, who has to make the first move? We do. And we don't move towards God because we have together. We move towards God because he's the one that can get us together. So we come to God. How do I come to God? Often. You know, we a lot of times will mock the, the, the Islamic uh, expression, you know, four or five times a, 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 a day. They'll get on a mat and they will bow before God. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to express the, make the expression of the lowliest they can be before God. Do you understand? And yet, again, like anybody else, except you get God from here to here, your life can't change. Yet I have respect for them because they have a respect and honor for, for God that you and I sometimes lack. You got to understand, I'm not trying to be tricky here. And I'm, I'm just wanting to help everyone. God loves the Islam people as much as he loves anybody else. Just because you see the violent acts of some doesn't mean they're all that way. Uh, Muslims, for the most part, they want families. They want husbands and wives. They want children. Yes, they've got some things that are twisted and messed up from their culture. But, but they're people that are just like us. Without Jesus, they're living in darkness. But you don't look down on them because Jesus paid a great price for them. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, I don't only have so much time. But it's kind of like, how do you confront and how do you deal with people that are morally corrupt? How do you do, deal with people who are sexually corrupt? Oh my God, we, get, we keep them out. We would never want them to come in church because, oh man, they might taint somebody. It's kind of like this. I get frustrated sometimes at people, uh, at Christians, because they, they are so scared of hearing something new that they're insecure of what they know. And so you never open your heart to anything because you, you have the revelation in a box and bless God, you ain't getting out of that box. I'm so grateful that God introduced us to the Word of Faith message in 1976 because it changed our lives. No, we could have been closed to it, just like anybody else, and never attained to the measures of blessing that came through that revelation. But how about you? I don't want to live my life bored. I don't want to live my life uh, just learning just certain things, and that's it. I want to keep learning whatever God has for me from the Word. Can I have an amen? It's true. Praise the Lord. So, here they are in Goshen. Now, listen to this. I'll give you three verses here. This is so cool. In Genesis 8, there were, it says this. There were flies in Egypt, but not in Goshen. <laughs> I would tell you, they were so stupid, they were worshiping maggots. Genesis 9, there was hail in Egypt, but not in Goshen. It's cool. And then finally, in chapter 10, it says, there was total darkness in Egypt, but God's blazing glory in Goshen. Hallelujah. Hey, Amen. Can you put the lights out for just a second? Is that possible? Just, just go ahead. If you, can you shut them all down? Just shut them all down. Shut them all down. Oh, okay. All right. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. How many are grateful for the light? See, well, I just wanted to simply give you an idea of what life is like without knowing the light. You cannot love like you want to love without the light. Why? Because you don't have the direction to do so. Without the light, you don't have a testimony. Now, I'm, I'm watching. It's interesting. There's a, there's a scripture in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, if the light that is in you is part dark, how great is that darkness? Because, see, when you're walking in the light, the, the darkness does not cover the light. The light covers the darkness. Can I have an amen? Let me put it back up again. But I just wanted to show you, praise God. Now, hallelujah. Now, if we shined like that in a world that's so dark, we have the answer. And what's his name? Amen. His name is Jesus. Praise God. His name is love. Amen. In Isaiah 59, and again, I'm moving right on back to Luke's second chapter, and we'll wind up there. In Isaiah 59, the prophet Isaiah describes the spiritual atmosphere of Israel in his day, and it was horrific. But God, but for God, God has never left his people there. He prophesied this. The very scriptures that Jesus coded when he entered into ministry, Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That's what changed my life. When I came out of that church that Sunday night, I mean, I knew I couldn't. You can't explain something supernatural right away until you get in scripture and find out what happened. But I knew something supernatural happened. I walked up to my sidewalk, out the church sidewalk, with a new new step, hallelujah. And I opened the door uh, to my 68 Camaro. Oh, God, I wish I had that car. Anyway, (laughs) hopped in the car. And the first thing we did is we took up a cigarette after church, hallelujah. (laughs) And... And, and we, Vicky handed me a cigarette, and I said, no, I just don't care for one. I mean, immediately, God was convicting me. Nobody told me. Nobody downstairs, when I accepted Jesus, they came, now, Mikey, Mickey, they called me Mickey. Mickey, you got to quit smoking. Nobody said anything to me. I just knew inside. God said, that's not something you probably should do. Amen. That was 20. Now I'm 73. Hallelujah. Probably could outrun some of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Especially on the pickleball court. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'll move on before I get in trouble. So, arise, shine, the light has come. And look at verse 2. For behold, the darkness, there it is, the misery, the destruction, the death, the ignorance, the sorrow, and wickedness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon them. Aren't you glad for the buts? But the Lord shall rise upon thee, uh, that's Jesus, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, that's Jesus, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Hallelujah. And though, listen, though the devil's been terrorizing uh, planet earth since the very beginning of time, God has promised to us his blazing glory. Hallelujah. That we can be filled with his glory in a day, an hour of darkness. And I think every generation, oh, they have and they should, believe that the king is 
coming. But what are you going to do till he comes? We better be in faith. Trust in God. Back to Luke 2 chapter. Now, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before the shepherds, lighting up the field with a blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news. Say good news. The gospel is always good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. Hallelujah. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer, I love that translation, a rescuer was born for you. He's the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah, and you'll recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Verse 13. Then all at once, the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, saying, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. Come on, give God a good shout. That is so awesome. Amen. Good news. Praise God. Sure is good for those living in darkness, which I did for the first 20 years of my life. So 30 years into the future, As Jesus was preaching the gospel, Matthew wrote this down. When Jesus heard that John had been raised, or excuse me, arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee. Vicki and I have been there. We've been in Capernaum. Amen. By the Sea of Galilee. I mean, the beach is right there, the Sea of Galilee. See, even Jesus wanted a beach home. Amen. got to add a little flavor to the scriptures. Just flavor. And the Bible says, uh, uh, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, this fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. This is so beautiful. Because God was letting us know that God, I'm going, uh, he said, Abraham, uh, all the families of the earth shall be blessed because of you. All the families, just not Jews, all families. Even those that like Ludafisk. <laughs> and for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow. Oh, excuse me, I want to, I, I, I'm sorry. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent for your sins. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins. And the blazing glory of God went into your life. The word repent there is an interesting word. It means to stop and consider. Let's be honest with me. How many have messed up since you've been a Christian? I'll raise both hands. So you, all of us on a daily basis, serious about this, need to stop and consider. Just simply stop and consider your behavior, your confession, your thought life, how you treat people. Come on, everyone. You know what grieved my heart? Uh, before the service started, I was talking to the officers out here. And they said something that really um, was interesting. They actually said, the worst family, the worst domestic violence and stuff is during holidays, even Christmas. We can't stop and love each other for 24 hours, 
But again, if you're serving the devil and you don't know and understand God's love, the other person facing you is, is the problem. Can I have an amen? So we need to keep shining our lives. So repent. Stop and consider how you act. I do it every day. Every day I stop and consider. Not, not everybody else, me. And then I have to repent. Because I, I want God to be pleased with me. How about you? Matthew 5, verse 14. Your lives, Jesus said, talking to the disciples, light up the world for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead of it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Dads, don't hide your light. Fathers, don't, I mean, husbands, don't hide your light. Let your light shine. Amen. Let it shine brightly before others so that your, your commendable works will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Amen. Just a couple of short scriptures, then I'm, I wind this up. Psalms 18, verse 28 says this. This is God, uh, David speaking to God. He said, your light, a lamp, you light a lamp for, my, for me. The Lord, my God, lights up my darkness. Psalms, this is a good one. I have to read this. Psalms 119. I had others, but we always get short on time. Psalms 119, 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It gives understanding unto the simple. You know what the word simple in the Hebrew means? Those that are easily seduced. He gives wisdom to those that otherwise become so easily seduced. That's why the word of God is so important for your life. Because you can't, listen, you can't live it unless it's in you. Can I have an amen? You hang around somebody who's in a hog barn. They may not, you, they may not know, but you know they've been in a hog barn. Let's, this coming year, let's try to walk so close to God, the fragrance of his presence people will pick up. The fragrance will be found in your speech, in your actions, how you treat people. Praise God. Can I have an amen? amen? Finally, this is important. I'll close with this. Jesus' entire ministry was a reflection of his father's love. Every part of his ministry, even when he rebuked the Pharisees, it was love coming out of him because he cared about them, even though they wouldn't open up to him because of their arrogance, their pride, their rebellion. In 1 Corinthians 13, it defines, the, and I won't read it because I don't have time. Read 1 Corinthians 13. Read it out of the Passion Bible or read it out of the Message Bible. Different translations, King James, Amplified. Choose what ye shall choose. But they're all wonderful. Defining what God's love looks like. Amen. Wherever God's love is exercised, there's light and life. Faith and hope, power and provision, comfort, courage, and strength, and most importantly, discernment and direction. The more you, okay, here it is. In 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not going to read, just point out something important to you so you understand this. In 1 Corinthians 13, it's called the love chapter. Say love chapter. That's what it is, okay? Now, the chapter 12 talks about, it gives a list of the nine gifts of the Spirit, Chapter 14 gives us instruction 
on how to operate in those gifts. But chapter 13 gives us what makes the gifts as, uh, uh, value, and that is love, okay? Then what's interesting is what he says here. He says, now listen to this. He says, love never fails, say it. But then he says, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there, there is knowledge, it shall vanish away. And everybody has taken that scripture wrong. From the very beginning of the first verse, in 1 Corinthians 13, to the last verse, it's all about the love of God. So what God is saying there, when you choose to get out of love, the, 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 when you choose to get out of love, I'll just, I'll, I'll quote this right. When you choose to get out of love, that is when prophecies fail. Not going to profit anybody. When you get out of love, that's when tongues cease. What does that even mean? That's when they lose their effectiveness. Because I, I, I just help you understand this. The most important thing in your life, the most important thing in your life is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the most important thing in your life. I just want you to capture that in your life. I mean, love, man, love never fails, but it has to be exercised for it not to fail. If you agree, say amen to that. So then he goes on and says this. When I, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. It's all about me. It's selfishness. But when I became a man, what is the difference? When you become a man, you accept the responsibility to do things according to the word of God. Amen? And it ain't no longer about you. And you know why? Because for somebody to live, someone has to die. Die to your own pride, your own rebellion. Because the Bible says twice in Proverbs, everyone is right in his own eyes, but God weighs the heart. You can win a war, uh, you can win a battle, but lose the war. Bow your head, I'm gonna pray for you today. The last ber- uh, wor- um, verse is in, uh, is in, is in uh, John's gospel. Jesus talking to his disciples. And I always kind of chuckle. Why, these guys, weren't no, these guys weren't no wussy guys. They were tough, hardened um, fishermen. And here's what he said to them. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. And if what those officers were saying, let not that be in a Christian home. This holiday season, choose to love one another. Listen, even if you have to do it by faith. Why? Why is that important? Because there's more often than not, God loves us by faith. If we're really honest with ourselves, we know God loves us by faith more, more than not. Because often we're not, we're not is, is, is what we should be as far as reflecting his image and likeness. So as you bow your head, I just want to pray for everyone here this morning. Everyone. First of all, I want to introduce anyone that is here to Jesus. Maybe you were like me. You had him in your mind, but you didn't have him. You don't have him in your heart. And I say that to the young people that have even been raised in this church. I think a lot of times you just simply assume we're Christians, um, you know, because we're raised here. Listen, but you know by your actions and, uh, and by your words and how you live, um, 
you are not exemplifying the nature of God. So you really need to really stop and just consider how important that is for your life. That you need to surrender, give up your will. For what? The will of God. The Lord told me years ago, the best that we can do without a Christ-centered life is fail. That's the best we can do. Man, if we catch that early on, we don't have to live miserable lives. We can live blessed lives. So if I'm talking to you, say, Pastor, that's me. I want Christ to be first and foremost in my life. I want him to be my savior. I, I want him to be my master. Just quickly lift your hand, and I will pray for you today. Is there anybody like that? Anybody? This, I know it takes humility in our part, but I'd rather humble myself before God and receive his blessing than rebel against him and live with the curse. Not from him. Not from, he never curses us. He loves us. The curse comes simply from the wrong choices that we make. Is there anyone like that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's, uh, let's all pray this out loud together, if you'd be so kind. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much for sending your son to the virgin birth. I believe it. I also believe that Jesus, you went to the cross for me. You died for me. And you shed your blood for me. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. I ask you right now to come into my heart and be my savior. Be my master. I give you everything that I am so that you can be everything that you are in my life. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Let's just lift all of our hands for a moment. Father, I pray for each and every precious family in this church, everyone that is here today, God. I stand always and ask you to bring healing in all of our families, God. All of our families, God. The brokenness that we all face bring healing to us today. Just everyone ask, Lord, to bring healing to your heart, healing to your soul, healing to your body, healing to your relationships. So important. God, I do. I thank you. I've been serving you for a long time, sir, and I thank you that you're a gracious and merciful God. Can you all thank him for that? And God, thank you that you do love us, that we are your sons and daughters. I thank you, God, that you are coming again, and we will be faithful in serving you till you you return. And we give you praise now, honor and glory in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, give God a good shout of praise if you enjoyed the word today. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.